0: This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector.
1: I am Brooke Spector, as usual, on Friday mornings. And today we have a different kind of guest. We usually talk about international politics or the problems with economic developments or difficulties in one or another nation, But today, we're going to have a conversation with Rabbi Julia Margolis, who many South Africans probably remember was in Johannesburg for years, is now in, of all places, a place I I guess most people would not have expected, in the U.S. Virgin Islands, in St. Thomas, Charlotte, Amalia. I'm never quite sure which is the name of this town. But she is heading a synagogue and a congregation there in a place that 120 years ago, this would have been one of Denmark's colonies, Danish West Indies. They were sold to the U.S. in 1917 in the middle of World War I. And the island chain is half of it's the British Virgin Islands and the other half is the American Virgin Islands. And... I must say, I envy somebody who is really close to the beach and really close to to the ocean. And Julia, should I call you Rabbi Julia or Julia or Rabbi Margolis? What is your preference?
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It is morning for me. It's afternoon for you. You can call me Rabbi Julia. It's absolutely fine. This is how um, my friends and colleagues always called me for ages. So
1: it's all good. All right. Thank you. I should also add by introduction, you were born in the then Soviet Union, you migrated with your parents at the age of 12 to Israel, and then eventually, uh, you ended up in Johannesburg, right. and then ultimately, well, that was Penn ultimately, and then ultimately you took up your current position in the American Virgin Islands. Tell me about the synagogue and congregation that you are now part of. All the material I read about it. it says it's the oldest continuously operating synagogue and congregation in the United States or under the American flag. I always thought the Toro Synagogue in Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island had that honor.
0: So there are five synagogues in the world that are old and have stand. And, uh, this is one of them. And as you mentioned before, you spoke about Denmark and um, the colony and right now some islands under the US government, some islands under British and Jews actually first settled in the Virgin Islands back in 17th century. And back then the islands were ruled by Denmark, but it was only until end of. 1796, that this congregation, um, the Hebrew congregation in St. Thomas was built. So as we know, the congregation needs a building. And it took a few years until they had the be- one of the beautiful synagogues, I would say, in the world. But unfortunately, there was a fire that destroyed it back in the beginning of 19th century. Then the synagogue was Rebuilt after the fire. And again, there was another fire that burnt it down back in 1806. And then from 1806, it took years to build this new and quite larger synagogue. And it was dedicated in 1831. Then it had, unfortunately, another fire. And it took two years to rebuild it. And from 1833 until today, this is the synagogue that is standing and that is the congregation that I took the position in. And it's really beautiful, as I said, the floor of the synagogue is covered um, in white sand. I don't think there are many rabbis that are fortunate to lead services and have sandals and it's okay with their, you know, board.
1: (laughs) Is the sand because you're next to the beach and people want to remember that? Or is there another reason for the sand on the floor?
0: So as you can imagine, and I know that we spoke about it uh, briefly in our conversations earlier, but there are different stories. So, of course, there would be those who will say that it's because of the significance of the Sinai when Moses led the Israelites for um 40 years in the desert and we just celebrated Passover so you know it's really beautiful that you can stand in the synagogue and look and really imagine and see how one would cross the sea and and um move towards the promised land but i my understanding from learning history and my One of the explanations that I feel very comfortable is is the idea that Jews were prosecuted during the Spanish Inquisition. And as we know, there are many, many Jews that still practice Judaism, even when um, the Inquisition was looking for them. And the idea was because the punishment for for religious practice is death they would meet under the ground, let's call it. They they would meet in cellars and uh, they will spread sand over the floor in order to be able to muffle the sound of their prayers. Therefore, the person, if somebody would look for them and they will come to the building, they will not be able to hear that there are voices underneath the floor and they would not be found so this is what I know about the synagogue even before I came to visit there and um it's also beautiful because it's not the regular style of the synagogue it's it comes from Spain it's perfect design by for the community. The furniture, if you looked at the pictures, it's all beautiful mahogany that was brought to an island from Europe. Um, We have chandeliers with real candles that we light on Fridays and festivals and for um, special occasions. And it's really just one of most beautiful spiritual and designed synagogues that I've been in my life. And I really think that as much as we close to the beautiful ocean, the idea of the sand is so unique that the story and the architecture of this synagogue is um, just extra special.
1: We are speaking with Rabbi Julia Margolis, uh, who is now uh, the rabbi in the congregation in Charlotte, Mali uh St. Thomas of the American Virgin Islands. We're going to take a quick break, uh and then we will be right back with deep dive. Is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Dischem Delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food, beauty and toiletries. Whatever you need, Dischem Delivered has you covered. Download the easy to use Discchem app and shop for over 7,000 products at in-store prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. Now you can relax while Discem delivers your essentials to you. It's that simple. Dischem delivered from Dischem to you. Dischem pharmacies, pharmacists who care.
0: This is the Deep
1: Dive with Brooke Specter. And we are back. This is the Deep Dive. And this is Brooke Spector. And our guest today is Rabbi Julia Margolis, a name that was probably familiar to many people in Johannesburg because she was a rabbi here for some years and now is in Charlotte, the Mali, St. Thomas, the American Virgin Islands, uh, in a synagogue that she says is covered on the floor with beautiful clean white sand a carry over not from the beach not from surfing but from a much older tradition of uh, sephardic Jews in Spain and Portugal who would meet in cellars and the sand was theoretically Suppose the muffle, the sound of worshippers and their feet and their prayers. Now, what puzzles me a little bit, maybe some of our listeners, is these islands were Danish up until 1917. And yet, right. uh, as you explain it, um, this has a, a, an origin as a, as a congregation in the Sephardic tradition, which comes from Portugal and Spain and to some degree uh, the rest of the Eastern Mediterranean. Yes. Where did, where did they? How did they
0: get to Denmark? So during the Spanish Inquisition, when um, when Catholic Spain was persecuting and converting all other religious, um, there were those that realized that they are not going to stay in Spain, even if they converted, and they went and they some of them decided to come here. Some of them were sent here. And when this congregation uh, was founded, there were only nine families in St. Thomas Island. Then it grew to be 22. After that, it grew to be in the sixties. And um, there were people not only from Spain. Because the, some of people came from England and some people came from France. And as you said, because it was a Dutch Colony and this colony after that, when it was destroyed by the British, then there were many uh, Jews that came here from other islands. So there is a lot of stories that to this historic place because of movement of people, because of different reasons, because of businesses, because of wars, because of um, religious persecution and I think it's also part of the Jewish history of people around the world. Um, I understand that in 21st century, the majority would think about very large Jewish centers as um, Latin America or United States or England. And no one would think about Caribbean islands to be part of that larger puzzle. But it is.
1: I'm intrigued by this, and you, you, you speak of the, the diasporic uh, movements of people. Does that mean that the congregation now follows the Sephardic rituals and styles, or because I know your your own orientation is toward uh, what some people call progressive Judaism and in, in the United States? Presumably that corresponds to reform Judaism, yes. which has a more uh, Ashkenazi style of worship. describe what's is it is it, a, is it a, a a melange of all these things and influences, or are you focusing it on one direction? how does this work
0: It's a very very um, good question because if we will look at the synagogue from point of view of structure. And then you would understand that it's very much corresponds to this Faradi tradition. There are, for example, four pillars that support the building and interesting enough, they will, they will be talking about for matriarchs, and, you know, you wouldn't have it in other places, and uh, the idea of Sarah Rachel and Rebecca and Leah, you know, they, they, it just talks to my heart very much. The benches inside the synagogue will face each other, and this is something that we know very much from the sporadic communities. And also, um, when you inside the synagogue, the bima and where it's located and the, the, the benches, some of them will be lower than the others. Usually this is what will separate between men and women during the services. Also, again, right now we are part of the World Union for Progressive Judaism and we services very similar to services that I was leading back in South Africa. And again, it's really a lot of history that took place in this synagogue and the age that makes it so remarkable. As you said, it's the second oldest synagogue that is operating under the American flag. And the only Shabbat that there was no service in that synagogue was back in 95 when Hurricane Maryland absolutely destroyed an island. During other hurricanes, during other days, there, there was not one weekend that there was no service. So only just for that, I would say this place is absolutely unique.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to the, the Toro Synagogue in, in, in Newport, Rhode Island, and it has a structure that's similar to the way you describe yours, because it is also, uh, based on Sephardic traditions, although, even though they're right at the, wa- almost at the waterline, um, they don't have sand on their floor, uh, but they do have the benches, uh, and, uh, the, the pillars and, uh, even uh, in their case, I think there was an upstairs floor for women uh, because that was yes. the prevailing style. Um, but your congregation now, do you get people who come down to uh, the Virgin Islands for the winter and look for a convenient and convivial place to worship? Or is it a a, a fifty two week a year congregation that that stays with you how does how does this work?
0: This is um as I said, it's really unique place, and I remember when um I told my family, my friends that I'm taking this position um it was the idea of you know go big or go home because it's not the usual setup. There are a core of people that are on island almost all the time. And they would come to the services and they are a very important part of the congregation. But yes, you will have those families that there will be part of the time in the US, part of the time they will be here on an island, you will have visitors that are coming and visiting us all the time. So definitely, you know, it's magical place and not the typical one when you Think about the establishment and organization of the synagogue.
1: How do you come to get there? That just, I mean, the the geographical distance is considerable. Johannesburg, St. Thomas, but I can't imagine that you just, just open the phone book and, and start calling around who's got a synagogue that needs a rabbi.
0: No, not really. I think it was, um, might sound a bit, you know, cheesy, but kind of a match that was, uh, than you know, on a, on a different level, on a different arame, the Valkotin horizon, because when I started history and obviously when I was in rabbinical school, I would, I would learn about synagogues with sand and I knew they exist and I knew that there is another one in Curacao. There, there, there are five, as I said, in the world. Sometime last year, I was looking at different options that might be available um, for me as rabbi. And um, also back then, we were in lockdown and I was doing videos and I was doing kind of a vlog and talking about life in South Africa and talking about load shedding. Which I understand went even from bad to worse since I moved out, and we we kind of laughed, but in one of the vlogs it was life, and um I said, Oh, here is electricity, it's back, and life is back, and now I can go and you know make coffee and 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 live my usual life and I know that one of the members at the search committee saw that vlog and um in a way um they said oh she also doesn't have electricity because the island has issues with electricity and in a way you can say that it would be easier at some point to to be part of the island and to be familiar and, and to acclimatize to this culture coming from south africa and not coming from let's say boston or or new york or any other place, but of course you know it's a, it's a very good story, but it's not just that I came for a visit um to an island and I fell in love with this building um, I traveled a lot, I went to different places of worship, but when I came to this synagogue it it was this moment of moment that I couldn't breathe of the beauty and the meaning of the building and um it just clicked, so um, when I got an offer from the search committee to take this position, it took me some time to think how exactly one moves and with small daughters, how how one moves from one side of the world to another, but I decided to take this chance and um, to see where life is going to bring us. I believe there is a special plan, and it feels that I need to follow it. <laughs>
1: Well, you of course, uh, by virtue of your, your own prior, uh, circumstances, you'd moved from one, two, three, uh, to three diff, very different countries and cultures uh, already. Yes. Um, so for you, the fourth move, uh, was simply one more. For your children, it can be, Oh my goodness. You know, it's, it's like, you know, the, the world has turned upside down. Are they adapting well? Are they enjoying the opportunities that a, a new place like this offers? Are they into skin, into, uh, into snorkeling and, right. and such um, like that?
0: Yes, I would say so. Um, I would, I will be honest with you. I will disagree with you that for me, it was just Another one on the road, not really It's very different from all other countries that I lived uh, but saying so St Thomas Island is very similar to warmth and culture moments that I experienced in South Africa, mm. and my heart for ever and ever belongs to South Africa, and it's, it was not uh just a slogan, I really felt that South Africa is my home and it's a very, very special place in my heart. Therefore, in that respect, the move was easier. I will be honest with you, I don't know if in this time of my life I could just so easily to move to other places in the world, but it felt as the same mentality, it felt as the same culture, same style in certain ways. So, it It was, and it is easier also for me and for girls from that perspective um again, not that I don't miss South Africa or you know my family, my congregants my my life I miss so very much, but sometimes it's and I'm here a little bit less than two months, sometimes it feels as if I was here forever, exactly because of this cultural component that one could understand only when you have been in both places.
1: We're speaking with Rabbi Julia Margolis, who is now recently ensconced, as she just said, as the rabbi in St. Thomas, Charlotte, Amalia, uh, in the American Virgin Islands, living the life on a Caribbean island after years in Johannesburg. We're going to take a station break, and we'll be right back to continue, actually, our conversation with the rabbi.
0: This is the deep dive with Brooke Spector.
1: And this is indeed the deep dive and this is Brooke Spector and we're speaking with Rabbi Julia Margolis, now well recently of Johannesburg and now of St. Thomas, Charlotte Amalie in the American Virgin Islands. Uh, in a synagogue whose origins go back to the 17th century, uh, with people who settled from Denmark and that over time, a much broader collection of congregants have, have joined. Let me, let me ask you this. The progressive Judaism movement, I mean, in the United States, Reform Judaism is a, is a, pretty strongly understood accepted appreciated variant it may well be that has more adherence than the other two in south africa it was something less well accepted and appreciated by many do you find that your congregation that you now address is comfortable with that version of worship or are they are they making adjustments
0: um, I would say that I am the their first female rabbi, but... That's
1: a point um, too, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Right.
0: But I would say that it's not the same reasons as one would think about thinking about South African progressive history. Um, it just happened historically that majority of rabbis that were on island were... I mean, not majority all of the rabbis that were here, they were men um not because there was any issue with hiring a woman um and from point of view of being reform um synagogue, again, it's the largest movement in the u s and um it's absolutely acceptable. there is no so much confrontation or misunderstanding or misfortune and i honestly say it because i believe that many jews in south africa missing opportunity of learning and exploring the beautiful culture of reformed judaism back in south africa because of perceptions because of sometimes being very very um conservative place and Yeah, it's different. Let's be honest, progressive movement is much more acceptable in the US than in South Africa.
1: The reform movement really, you know, took off in America after the 18, uh, 1850s or thereabouts, uh, where it began and by the time I was, uh, young in America. I mean, many, not all, but many of the people I knew who did go to a synagogue went by preference to a reform congregation, even if it wasn't yet a majority, I guess. And it's continued to grow. Does that mean your liturgy is in English? Uh, or are you picking up and doing some, some of the prayers in Creole? Or are you... Not continuing? yet. Not yet. Not okay.
0: yet. It will come. Um, it will come. You know, never say never. I mean, I never thought I would be here. So I'm the last person to say, you know, that it's impossible. Maybe. Yes. And um, this is the beauty of progressive Judaism. That doesn't matter where you will be in the world. May it be synagogue in Brazil or in South Africa or any other place. You will be familiar with the liturgy and you will be familiar with the music and the melodies. I believe that God knows all the languages as long as your prayers. Yeah, that's,
1: that's the plan, yeah. isn't it?
0: It is a plan. And God knows when the prayer is said with uh, intention and when it's said with, you know, pure heart and exactly the same way as I would be leading services back at Johannesburg, both in Hebrew and English. I'm doing it here.
1: Do you find, um, is there some sort of, uh how shall I say it? Is there some sort of, well, of course, you're, you're new at this post, of course, but are you beginning to detect some signs of collegiality with other congregations on other nearby islands? Or is are the distances just a little too far for such a thing?
0: So the problem is, is that because it's an island, you basically can't just drive. You have mm. to take yeah. a plane or a ferry or a boat. So on practicalities, some can be an issue. But on another hand, during Passover, we had congregants that come from even British uh, Virgin Islands to be with us and worship with us. We have part of our community, um, that they are on St. John, which is quite close to us. But again, I believe that when one puts and really is willing to come and worship, the way can be always found and may it be to take a boat or may it be to fly. And right now, I am more in touch with colleagues that are on this island, but it's something definitely that is on list of my top priorities to be also because there are other rabbis and, and, for example, the rabbi that was at this synagogue as an interim rabbi, he is in Curaçao now. So obviously we already spoke that we are going to have cooperation and we are going to um, see how both communities can enjoy each other and learn together.
1: Now, if I'm not mistaken, you also um have been putting some of your services on the internet for people obviously around the world to uh watch and and uh participate in uh in their own homes uh am yes. i right is that planned or is that going to be- con- that is that a continuing operation for you?
0: As you know, world changed uh, when Zoom became the biggest part of our life and worship changed and understanding of the synagogue and the services changed. And for the last two and a half years, the synagogue that I opened back in 2019 in Johannesburg was absolutely only on the Zoom. And we were fortunate to have, and we're still fortunate to have, members all over the world and the same is with this congregation in St. Thomas. Um, there are many members who are high members. So one person or family who would like to be members, but they would be living in the mainland or any other part of the world, they can still continue to join those services with very big thanks to the IT team and to Zoom and technology of our days and to be part of the services. So sometimes it might look that there are not too many people at the actual century, but it does not mean that there are not many people who are part of the service or watching the service. And it's something that we're definitely not going to stop um, because of all thousands of people that follow us all over the world. I know synagogues that used Zoom a lot during the pandemic, but then when they were allowed to go back and to have a regular worship, they would cancel Zooms. We continue and we will continue just because of the idea of being inclusive and having so many people Joining in from different parts of the world. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to
1: dare to ask the,
0: well, maybe I will, the theological question of
1: is turning on zoom of does that somehow vi- violate
0: precepts about using electricity? Don't forget that you're talking with reform rabbi. We do of use course. electricity and I always when I was living in Johannesburg with millions of people and not everyone can could come to the synagogue because they were not walking distance. I encouraged them to drive to the synagogue because in my understanding of liturgy and in my understanding of Judaism, it is better to spend your Friday night and Saturday with a community, with like-minded people and to worship and to be together when you use your car and not to be sitting at home Alone, Because the idea of the reform movement is that we progress with time and we are not fortunate anymore to leave as we were living back in statels of Ukraine or Russia back in 18th, 19th century when everything was a walking distance and one could easily come to the synagogue as it was the center of that village. Therefore um do not have any issue with people joining services on Zoom. I was thinking
1: about that. I I realized the moment I asked the question how your which direction your answer was going to necessarily go, but I wanted to hear it <laughs> from you that it was more important that you participate than that you turn a switch uh to uh stare at a computer screen to join in, even if it's a virtual community, because uh, we all live that way in all kinds of other activities anyway.
0: There are pluses and minuses in everything. And uh, we all know that this life, this um, idea of having services on Zoom became really active part. I know many people that during pandemic, because of Zoom, because we provided this side of Judaism to our congregants, they literally discovered Judaism from the beginning. I know many people said that since services became available on Zoom, they and their children participate much more than they were before pandemic. And um, I remember there were a few um, times that I would come um, to someone's house and they would show me my place during, at the, at the, um, dinner table, because they will say, Oh, Reba, you spending every Friday night with us because we put our laptop at this sport. And if especially those who have small children, it can be tricky to get in time for services and et cetera, et cetera. So again, my understanding is that it will be better that the next generation, those small children will be Listening to melodies, they will listen to Rabbi, they will feel part of the community when they are at their home. Then they would not be at all. We're
1: speaking with Rabbi Julia Margolis, who is probably familiar to many listeners in Johannesburg, at least. She was the head of the, uh, what is it? Beit Luria Synagogue that she, uh, congregation that she helped create in Johannesburg, and now she is uh, newly moved to St. Thomas, Charlotte, Amalia in the American Virgin Islands, where she is just beginning to get used to snorkeling with the tropical fish and other such pleasures, uh, but keeping up an active, uh, role in providing services in her historic synagogue, as well as by way of Zoom and I guess, uh, in the old days it might have been by short wave, but now zoom is the is the preferred answer. I remember listening to the things on short wave i am old enough to do that and as a <laughs> as a child, you may have in this in the old soviet union the Liberty or the b b c or v o a at some point in your home quietly and carefully.
0: I do remember my parents doing um thats and I remember how they would be sitting in the evening and um Night and, um, I will be sent to, we had one, uh, room apartment and I will be sent to go to sleep and they will be in the kitchen listening to Voice of America. So, um, definitely something as part of my childhood.
1: You may even have heard Willis Conover, Willis Conover, Jazz USA. He was a fixture <laughs> in that institution for decades.
0: I was raised again. Maybe um, I should thank Voice of America, but my my father and mother raised me with very good sense of good jazz and um, music. So yes, definitely.
1: I'm sure they were fans of Willis Conover. He was a he was a magnificent man. I knew him in Washington.
0: Let me let's let's let's
1: close this out our conversation. Where do you think in the next couple of years? You're going to be going with this congregation on the island you are on, but with a worldwide potential audience uh, and with congregants who come there for the winter season and with people who trace their ancestry back as far as the 1600s. This is quite a mix. Uh, where do you see this taking?
0: I will be honest with you if I was thinking about it this morning, that if a year ago – You would tell me that we will be having this interview. Um, and it's ironic because we were talking about having an interview for years and we didn't manage to do it while I was in Johannesburg and feels now that I am, you know, miles away. It was, it was easier finally to, to have it and talk about Judaism and, um, my life. Um, I would never think that I will be speaking with you from St. Thomas, U.S. I will be absolutely honest. I do not know what life plans. I did not know what life planned for me. And um I just trust in God. I believe there is a bigger plan. I was welcomed with so much love and so much warmth by this community and um the people of an island. And it's amazing to... Wake up in the morning and to look um, at this beautiful ocean, <clears throat> and I am not really—you—you um, you can understand—being born in Moscow and raised in Israel and living in Johannesburg. I'm not really an ocean person, but perhaps I'm starting to be. But being part of such a history and being part of this living museum, I'm—I'm I'm on cloud nine here. So I'm really at this point soaking in this beautiful place and spiritual um, guidance that I'm being said. And I really feel privileged. Um, it feels that it was the right decision back six months ago to take this post. And um, who knows what life will bring right now. This is where I am. This is where my heart and um, I uh, believe we can just take it day by day.
1: We're speaking with Rabbi Julia Margolis, uh, late of Johannesburg, now of, uh, St. Thomas, Charlotte, Amalia in the American Virgin Islands. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. And uh, Rabbi, when you come back online, uh, could just, just for, for listeners, tell them what the handle is for them to pick up your broadcasts, uh, during the holidays. And let's go to that break. Yeah.
0: This is the deep dive with Brooke Spector.
1: This is Brooke Spector and we're speaking with Rabbi Julia Margolis in the American Virgin Islands. And I've asked her in her uh, final comments, just tell people, tell the listeners how they can follow your, your, uh, ser- your services on Zoom.
0: Of course. Thank you. If someone would like to join us and quite easy they can find our Facebook page St. Thomas Hebrew the Hebrew Congregation of St. Thomas and we broadcast there. Also if they will go to www.synagogue.vi um on the first page they will see a link that will connect them to the live stream, and they will be able to join on Zoom. Those who would like, um, they can always find um, me on Facebook, and I will be able to provide them with meeting ID and the for the services if they want just to join straight forward on Zoom. And we are still also doing services for South Africa with time difference. I'm being fortunate to be able to. Have them both. So also on Beit Luria Facebook page, there is a link to our Zoom services.
1: She's everywhere. (laughs) She's
0: all over the (laughs) internet. She's in a virtual world. (laughs) It's been
1: a pleasure to chat with you. I appreciate it very much. I hope we can do it again sometime. We've been speaking with Rabbi Julia Margolis of, in St. Thomas, Charlotte, Amalia the American Virgin Islands, most recently in Johannesburg, but now in the islands. And Thank you so up.
0: much for having me. It's the
1: sea. It's a- <laughs> we will be back next week with another guest on another topic, and we hope you'll tune in once again to the Deep Dive.